want to thank everybody for all the nice emails that you've been sending. I appreciate it. I want you to know I read every one of them. I don't always get a chance to respond because I get so many, but uh, I do read them, and sometimes they lift up my day pretty well. I got one last week from someone named Yossi in Galilee, Israel, and it kind of made my morning, so I figured I would share that with you guys right here. It says, Hi, Otis. I've been listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn for a couple months now. Usually I listen when I'm walking for exercise in the morning, sometimes when I'm driving somewhere. I live in Lower Galilee, Israel. I wanted to let you know I really enjoy the broadcast. This week's interview with Chuck Mead was great. He told wonderful stories, great history. I always enjoy hearing the insights about songwriting, performing, road stories that the musicians share with you. You do a good job just letting the people talk with a question or comment thrown in here and there. Anyway, thanks again for the interviews. All the best, Yossi. I really appreciate that, Yossi. If you can put yourself in my shoes and imagine I'm sitting here in my living room just on my couch with a cat next to me and I throw together this show and then just a few hours later, somebody's walking through Galilee listening to it. It's a strange world and we live in amazing times and I appreciate you guys reaching out. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs, and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. This show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it, and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is J.D. Wilkes. J.D. is a musician, a visual artist, author, amateur filmmaker, and self-proclaimed Southern Surrealist. You might know him from his bands, the legendary Shack Shakers and the Dirt Dobbers. You can find out everything you need to know about J.D. at jdwilkes.com. J.D. was on the road with his band, the Dirt Daubers, and uh, they were coming through Nashville and were playing here in the neighborhood, and he was nice enough to stop by my house probably an hour or so before they went on stage, and uh, we had a nice conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's J.D. Wilkes. And I was born in Texas and... Raised mostly in Kentucky, though, in uh, Louisiana, but always in the South and always kind of a, uh, fascinated with uh, old stories and songs and the old Baptist hymn book and antiques and stuff, you know, a weird kid, you know, so. Um, Did you go to like a Pentecostal church or? Uh, not till we moved back from Louisiana back to Kentucky uh, and start started going to Christian school. Uh, it was a charismatic church that sponsored a school uh, out in the boon, boonies of Marshall County. And uh, so, you you know, if you went, it, you know, they had the Wednesday chapel services and every morning had morning assembly. And th- those were sermons and sing-alongs. And, uh, and, you know, there would be tongues, you know, speaking in tongues, glossolalia and falling out, slain in the spirit stuff. 
and uh, the church services on Sunday would go on for hours and hours. I didn't go to the church, but I, I went there from time to time, you know, with friends, and it was like I'd never seen anything like it in my life, you know. And the, the teacher sent me into the office to go get some staples or some office supplies for, you know, for the homeroom. But I had to go through the sanctuary to get there. So I had to go into a whole other building, back, into the church building to get to the office to get the office supplies. Well, I, wa- I walked into the sanctuary. It's real dark in there, you know, and you had like the red stained glass, real kind of creepy in there. And there was a freaking exorcism going on. They had like all the deacons ha- holding this girl down while she's writhing on the floor. And they were casting out like demons of lust and whatever. And of course, they're all probably secretly like sexually aroused by it, you know. And I'm just like standing there looking. I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going here to get some pencils, you know. Don't mind me. I'm just you know, getting some office supplies, and I just kind of scooted off, you know, but that was a weird thing. A kid shouldn't really ever have to walk in on an exorcism at school. That's that's what I say. It makes sense to me now uh, because if you're kind of a frustrated kind of small-town agrarian-type farmer peasant with no outlet for your mania and your id and you know, you don't, you know, music is evil. Fiddles and banjos are evil. Jazz is definitely evil. You know, poetry is for homosexuals. Well, you have to invent something to get that crap out of your system. And I think uh, it, it, it it's the same thing as scat. It's the same thing as free associated, you know, um, uh, it's mouth music. You know, it's, it's, a, it's what they call the collective effervescence coming out something that has to come out it's a punk rock show you know but it's under the guise of religion so it's safe and acceptable and i think that's what it is and i think it's just as valid as anything else i don't think it's divinely inspired other than it is uh something that our nature is in our nature well uh i first got interested in uh jamborees and picking parties and and uh barn dances uh, back in the early 90s. Um, my buddy Lane Hendrickson, he's like an old rockabilly cat, you know, from, lived in Memphis. He's not that old. He's like 50, but, you know, he's an old soul. Uh, he wanted to record out in this place in Hardin, Kentucky, called the Hilltop, up on this hill, cu- covered in kudzu. You know, it's a cinder block building back. You can't even see it from the road, you know. And uh, they had a... This, really old rockabilly greaser guy that must have been in his 70s, Leroy Henderson. And he had this studio set up in there and had, you know, he had the egg cartons for the, you know, insulation, (laughs) you know, for soundproofing and chicken wire in front of the stage. And it was like set up in there like a little Saturday Saturday night uh, juke joint, hillbilly juke joint, but it was a recording studio too. And that's where I recorded my first... uh, for the first time with his uh, Lane's band. And I just, I just thought I was stepping back in time, you know, 50 years. And, uh, it was pretty cool. And I, I just, the aesthetic of it, you know, the, you know, all the old Elvis pictures on the wall and like the, you know, the Chrome and Formica furniture sitting out there and the ashtrays and everything was stained from years of smoking. And, uh, Leroy's over there with his Coke bottle glasses and his pompadour greased back black, you know, dyed his hair and he's smoking the ash, like a ghost finger of ash hanging over the console, just 
dust, dusting down into the faders. You know, it, recording sounded like crap, you know, but it was cool. You know, it was uh, just a real vibey thing, and it's kind of a weird, hazy memory for me, and it's kind of magical, and there's something cool about that. It, it awakened a sort of cultural memory, I think, for me of, uh, you know, just... Uh, the the culture that's in my blood, you know, that's that's as being a southerner and, and places like that, and and you know, it's it's just a a neat idea for uh, people of a community to come together and and uh, play music and and uh, and get their rocks off in a way that actually strengthens the community, you know, and uh, that's disappearing, of course, you know, but there's still some places that I found going from Western Kentucky to Eastern Kentucky and all points in between as many places I could find that, you know, just trying to dig up some places like that, you know, to rekindle that memory and try to uh, hope and pray that it's still alive today. And it is, you know, but it's disappearing, you know, now it, it varies from like, like the Rosine Barn Jamboree in Rosine where Bill Monroe got his start in that town. Um, that's in an actual rustic barn, you know, unpaved uh, floors and, you know, drafty timbers and all the old posters from the Grand Ole Opry up on the wall and Christmas lights hanging over the stage. For it, it goes, it runs the gamut from that example to straight up Renfro Valley, which is more like the Grand Ole Opry air conditioned, uh, auditorium and and uh, plush seating and um you know top-notch acts you know like dwight yokum and uh you know playing you know like big big names you know so it it i like how i like the variety of it i ended up including square dances and then places where people line dance and you wrote a book about this didn't you? yeah i wrote a book about it that's and I illustrated it, and it came out uh, last October, I think, uh, on uh, from the History Press, which is out of Charleston, and they do a lot of lo- local interest books, and they liked the idea when I pitched it to them. I had already written the first chapter, and they told me to keep going. And it was just a labor of love. You know, I hadn't made really my money back for all the travel and expenses and gas, but it, it, it it's a cool thing to say I uh, got to – do and and to witness you know in the process if somebody wanted to pick up a copy of that where would they yeah uh i think they got them for sale somewhere down here i can't remember i definitely know that if you're up in kentucky they got them uh every books a million in barnes and noble in the local interest section and some some uh, in the, the the border towns in tennessee have them too get them at your website also oh definitely yeah uh jdwilks.com or uh, go to the history press uh get their address but you can do it yeah, I guess so. I, I was uh, shooting a little document, mini documentary, a little short piece. Uh, this fellow named Hillbilly Bob, who's like this uh, Cajun fiddler who lives in Kentucky, and uh, of course, but he was raised in Kentucky. He just picked up a lot of Cajun tunes when he lived in Louisiana, and uh, he, um, he was telling me all about hoop snakes. You know what they are? What's a hoop snake? A hoop snake. Uh, it's one of these snakes. They up in up in the woods, up the top of a hill. They'll bite the end of their tail and form a circle, and somehow it right themselves up into a wheel, like a hoop, like a hula hoop, and go rolling down the hill and come at you, <laughs> turn loose of their tail and and bite you. They're hoop snakes, and he believes in them. 
You know, like the wampus cat and the white thing and all these kind of creatures out in the woods. You know, he, he really thinks he, and he says he's seen them. You know, he's talking about how, like, you got to be careful. And, like, they hit a tree, the tree will swell up from the poison. And so he's old school, you know, but there's a old, uh, I guess there was a witch or a ghost or something in the lake that would bob up and down and uh, on a, on a, phantom carriage or something it was really strange I, I forget the whole story but when i get that film all shaped up uh y'all can hear it from the horse's mouth hillbilly bob hillbilly bob prather and he's a buddy of lane's too lane hendrickson's guy really kind of got me into all this culture stuff uh even though i was already fascinated with it from being brought up around antiques and old stuff uh to know specifically the stories of my area uh i think it's important for everybody to kind of you don't. Not everybody has to do it, but it is interesting. If you grow up in a small town and you're bored to death, one of the ways you can entertain yourself is dig into the history of the town and all the characters, and it's fascinating. You know, if you got a brain in your head and you're interested in things other than Facebook, you know, I know I get sucked into that stuff too. But ultimately, what makes me tick is uh, the content of all those old stories and songs, and and yeah. it, it's. It goes deep. It runs deeper than any uh, flashy technology. That's just a distraction. Well, if you're traveling, the the whole point of it should be to partake in things indigenous yeah. to the area. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're from Paducah, I remember. Right. Or you live in Paducah. I remember the last time I was in Paducah, going to a park, and there was a big, there was a big Native American carved. It was a Chief mm-hmm. Paducah carved. In- no, I, I, people think it's Chief Paducah, but it's actually Washington. And those uh, carvings are all across America. There was an artist, I think, in the 70s, 60s and 70s who went around and uh, carved dead trees into Indian heads. And, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a giant wooden Indian. It's really cool. And it's uh, they're all uh, – I, I wish I knew the name of the guy, but um, Wasinton, uh was the uh, Indian chief. And I think he must have been a local uh, chief Yeah, from the day. But Chief Paduke, there's actually a statue of him on Jefferson Street. and uh, But – the jury's still out of whether or not he actually existed or not. So it might be a, a, a contrived. There, there might have been a Paducah tribe of Chickasaw Indians uh, and personified into uh, a fictional character of Chief Paducah. But uh, it has some uh, relevance uh, in, in, in history. And uh, so, but uh, there was a there was a craze I think in the. 1800s uh a sort you know uh to to rename your town after an indian chief and um but paducah was used used to be called pekin pekin kentucky and then uh it was renamed uh, i think during that craze well it's like the old medicine shows you know uh they'd always have like some um indian chief or something that was you know or or the 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 snake oil they were selling was supposedly some recipe from some tribe that never existed you know a lot of it was hokum you know, so I think that's cool too. Well, uh, this is a fairly new development in Paducah, and I think it's a fairly new development for every city that's involved. Something called UNESCO, and so the United Nations sponsored um, cultural ex- exchange between cities. And it, it's not necessarily sister cities, but it's it's almost like a, you know, like a Seattle is, is sister cities with like Bergen, Norway, and like there's only like a few cities there. This is a whole network of towns that are sponsored by UNESCO that that ultimately become like your sister city, but it's it's all of them. 
you know, anywhere uh, you go, um, you know, in either any of these towns that you go to would accept you as a, as a, as a brother or a sister. Um, it's not just one town, but, uh, what it is, is, um, Paducah is a city of crafts and folk art because of the, uh, and they were, went through a nomination, uh, process, you know, uh, uh, and because of the, Museum of the Quilter Society. We have where the Quilt City USA, you know, the International Quilt Museum, is there. Um, it's a beautiful museum too. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, through that, uh, that, that sort of legitimizes to the U- UN or UNESCO to become a full fledged uh, UNESCO partner. And and, uh, and I'm still learning about it, you know, because I uh, I ended up representing Paducah in my last week when I was in Dublin. Um, I took a quilt to the, the Lord Mayor's office there and we got to meet and have a, like a kind of a photo op with those folks and um, got got a visit of their old Parliament House, uh, the the the, uh, the mansion house there in Dublin. And uh, <clears throat> it was kind of cool and kind of prestigious. And it was it was neat to be able to represent my my uh, hometown. And uh, and that might happen again uh, as I travel overseas for the band. I'll be um, a, a sort of makeshift courier for UNESCO and uh, and Paducah uh, as they present gifts uh, to wherever I'm going. But you know, there, there's only a handful of these uh, per category. See, Dublin is a city of literature, and there's all these categories: city, cities of art, cities of literature, cities of music, cities of folk art, cities of I don't know, philosophy, you know, like different categories of the arts. And uh, just because we're a, a, a craft and folk art city doesn't mean that we can't commune with the city of literature. And I, I was able to take my book to the mayor and present them literature that I'd made. And they gave up, you know, it was an exchange and I brought back gifts uh, for Paducah. So it was neat. That's you know. beautiful. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of opportunities to uh, right. make, make our parents proud. Yeah, you know that's that's what that was all about. You know, I, I've been on this new kick. You know, I, I was like a shock jock rockabilly guy for so long. I kind of wore myself out on it. You know, and uh, and as you age, you, you know, you all that kind of fades. You know, you're not fighting those battles anymore. You know? you're not raging anymore and the hor- hormones subside and you know it's like oh man what have i done and um uh, but uh i've been able to do a couple things that, that are kind of more you know uh, legit and prestigious which is cool yeah i'm a kentucky colonel i'm a duke of paducah I've, I've got these sort of accolades and things that i i've never really um represented before so i'm able now to kind of like grow into the character grow into the uh the auspices of that that uh, designation, so it, it's cool. Yeah, well, the Shack Shakers. There was like an early version of the Shack Shakers right out of college, uh, straight up rockabilly band. Of course, with me on harmonica, it's kind of made it a little different. But uh, we went down and played a place called Wolfie's, and I think don't think it's there anymore. And we played down there, and it was in the kind of post BR five four nine days when lower broadway was getting a shot in the arm but uh bluegrass inn wasn't or layla's wasn't even the bluegrass inn it was something called the wagon burner back then there's this little shotgun place dark and you go in there it's like a cave there's all these faded eight by ten glossies of country music stars has-beens and never-wers you know uh 
it was just basically wallpapered in these eight by tens in there. And there was this old Indian woman, a uh, Native American woman back there. And uh, she she basically was the owner, bartender. I don't know her name, but she just kind of basically back there in, in shadow, you know, was a, you know, no one in there and brought, you know, in the middle of the day, you know, but uh, one guy up there playing guitar and this, this Indian woman in the back. And she uh, asked, she's real friendly, asked, you want a PBR or you want a sandwich, you know, and she, and heaven help you if you ordered a tuna fish sandwich because it came out of like a plastic bucket with an ice cream <laughs> scoop and no telling how long it'd been there on uh, on bunny bread. You know, it was terrible, but, you know, it was vibey. And it was like, you know, again, it was kind of like the hilltop. It was like that was those old days of Lower Broadway still still are the remnants of that lawless era, like almost like a, a Wild West scene. Were the adult shops still down there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, they they were kind of edging them out. Br kind of helped uh, that whole thing. Kind of helped kind of spruce things up. The thing that really tipped it over the edge was the tornado. When the tornado uh, knocked out that corner there, I think it's fourth or fifth in Broadway. A lot of federal money got pumped into the town, and um, and they started really renovating and gentrifying things, and it started turning more and more into like a Branson, Missouri kind of thing. You know, real kind of started to get kind of cheesy. But before it got total cheese, we were we were playing. We played about three or four years down at Layla's, and you know, it was you know night in night out. You know, I was ba- barely surviving. You know, that's basically my only job. You know, living off McDonald's and beer and. At one point, I was squatting in an abandoned barber shop, you know, on a cot. <laughs> you know, it got pretty bleak. And uh, but uh, we, you know, we it was almost like touring, but you get to stay home and tour at the same time because you had the world coming to you every night. And a lot of people to this day they remember me from Layla's Bluegrass Inn those days in the early two thousands, and uh, playing there with Chris Gruggs and Joe Buck and. Uh, Slick Andrews and, um, uh, you know, Chuck Mead would come in. They had the Hillbilly All-Stars. You know, the Planet Rockers would play. Pine Hill Haints from Alabama. Oh, man, all kinds of people. I mean, it was a, it was real deal. And, uh, you know, and it, all, it was like a, it was a flash, you know, and, and because that after, you know, once all the, like, I think it was when the stage came in. That's to me. That's when everything really changed. When they put the, the stage, there's a honky tonk called the stage there, and everything just started getting real kind of, you know, urban cowboy, you know, and a little too slick and neon for my taste. And that's when we we kind of ejected out of the scene. Started uh, we took our like intense four hour act and, and and compressed it into twenty minutes and went and played a showcase down at Twelfth and Porter, and blew the roof off because you know you talk about a four-hour high energy show for tourists to keep them in their seats keep them happy keep the tip money flowing that much energy and sweat that you 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 put into four hours try put pushing that compressing that into 20 minutes and going playing for yuppies <laughs> you know this minds are going to be blown and they sure were and the, we got a we got signed to a management deal Signed to Bloodshot Records and Billions Booking Agency in a matter of a weekend. So that's how it all happened. And all of a sudden, I'm on the on the map. I'm on the radar. I got to pay taxes. We're tour on tour with Hank Three and Reverend Horton Heat and Southern Culture on the skids in a matter of like a, you know, a year. 
And it was like, it was just happened all at once. And it was from playing lower Broadway and, and developing, uh, you know, a way of uh, keeping the audience's attention and, and, and making it entertaining and, and luring them in and working dynamics and the subtleties between members and our playing styles and, and uh, all of that was honed three or four hard years of work, you know, down there. And I, I, I owe Lower Broadway a lot of that. No, I mean, no, it's not like, it's just, we just keep different hours. Really, this is, you know, especially when you're a touring band and you don't have any other income source, really. It's a 24-hour job. It, you're thinking about it, working on it, uh, planning it, uh, producing product, writing songs, you know, yet content's got to come from somewhere. You're always thinking about it and you're always playing. You're always loading gear, you're always tearing down gear, you're always dealing with sleazy managers, trying to get your money, trying to get to the next gig on time, booking hotels. You know, you're t constantly triangulating uh, a million different personalities, you know, inside the van, you know, not a million people don't fit in our van, but over the years, it seems like a million people, you know, and dealing with personalities and egos. It's a 24-hour. Sometimes you don't even sleep at night. It's it's. I fantasize about a nine-to-five sometimes, you know, just because it would <laughs> simplify my life. I, that's that's my midlife crisis right there. It's not a, it's not a running off and, you know, getting a trophy bride and a Corvette, you know. It's, it's about, like, getting a nine-to-five at a factory, you know. Because because there's there's a semblance of of uh, sanity and and predictability there that I have been lacking most of my life. You know, I'm 42. You know, I'm starting to wake up early. You know, I don't sleep till noon anymore. You know, uh, you know, and I'm done by five. You know, I, I'm, I'm now's the time for me to quit all this. Actually, you know, but no, <laughs> I but I don't know what I'd do. I was an art major in college, so that's I'm kind of screwed. And I predate. Photoshop and all that. So I don't know anything about computers. So I'm kind of screwed. But I enjoy it. I get, I, hey, I just went to Ireland and met the mayor. You know, that that's, to me, it's like, well, all these neighbors that have their bass boats and their red Dodge Rams and, and that's all cool, you know, and I, it, those things are fun, but I have experiences, you know. I don't have stuff. I have stories, and those are my, that's my bass boat, my jet ski. These cool stories and things I get to talk about. And anyway. I was in the comics. I was into Cracked Magazine and the artwork in there. John Severin. I was into certain uh, children's book illustrators and, uh, I was into Gary Larson, Farside, and Bloom County, and those comics. So it was stuff that it was either like kind of very well drawn or very satirical. You know, Charles Adams. You know, I loved his gag cartoons. You know, like stuff that kind of bent my mind, and or, or were well rendered. And uh, I've always enjoyed uh, R. Crumb as, as in my college years i wouldn't didn't see that when i was a kid but uh you know i i like stuff real left to center and uh what i've done is i've just kind of developed a drawing drawing style and uh that that kind of harkens back to those influences and 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 um 
I enjoy satire and irony and stuff like that, uh, kind of asshole humor. But but I mix in these southern folk tales too. So I, I try to like be myself, not copy, you know, but still pay homage to the, the influences, but still try to be a kid from Kentucky that uh, likes uh, the old stories and uh, creepy old uh, folk tales. I, I got into uh, painting sideshow banners because I went through a craze one one summer where I was really into circus art and uh, uh, the Professor Marvel scene and Wizard of Oz and the signage, the old uh, sign painter signage and uh, lettering and uh, the mysticism of the Oriental art and arabesque stuff. Uh, uh, and that was in 99. I painted my first sideshow banner. And I don't want to take credit for it, but it seemed like that kind of caught on for a little while, the whole vaudeville burlesque thing. And uh, it, it, maybe I was channeling something that was happening already, but it's like, you know, when uh, that, I, I was doing it before I knew anyone else was doing it. And, uh, and, and before you know it, uh, that's that's a sideshow shows on Discovery Channel and, and the freak, freaks and all this stuff. And uh, I think it's, it's pretty cool that... Uh, it, it's cool, but at the same time, um, I, for me, it's more about the mysticism. And that's the thing about anything Southern Gothic, anything um, uh, burlesque or anything like that. It's about the it's about the, the sort of esoteric elements, the mystical elements of all of that that I get off on uh, the the colors and the and the era, the photographs and the and the, and the stories behind the photographs, and uh, there there's this sort of um, shroud of mystery you know and that i'm drawn to and not the shock element not the trailer park element not the jerry springer gross you know aspects of it it's to me it's more about you know flannery o'connor faulkner uh harper lee those kinds of stories so that's a gothic the, the beauty and the grotesque in the in the and there's beauty but there's still beauty you know what i mean it's not just grotesque it's it, grotesque it's the beauty in the grotesque it's the you know and it and by gothic i don't mean hot topic vampires you know what i mean and and bondage pants you know what i mean you know i there's something peculiar and odd and mystical and that's the element that always gets left out is the mysticism of all that that's what i'm drawn to what I was drawn to with the sideshow stuff. It's what I'm drawn to with the Southern Gothic and folktale uh, content that I try to put in my music and artwork. People have a tendency to take uh, take the surface level and make it fashion, and mm-hmm. and they lose all the substance in the process. Right. Yeah, it should be quality uh, quality storytelling and, and uh, dynamics and ethos at the heart of it. You know, and that that's what makes it uh, last longer. <laughs> What happens, all these people, these copycats glom on and they miss the whole point of it and then they turn the genre that you've loved into a farce and then it's rejected and before you can even do anything with it, you know. But I love it so much, I'm sticking with it. It's it's what I know and, and you know, we'll go in and out of fashion uh, in the underground and sometimes the mainstream, but I'll stick with it because it's all I know. Well, I appreciate you stopping by yeah, and chatting Thanks for with having me. I like your place here. Maybe I'll send a cat home with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't even take care of the one we got. But we got to get back and feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's locked out. 
I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank JD for stopping by my house here in East Nashville. You can find out everything you need to know about JD at jdwilks.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.